Hello ladies and gentlemen, it's the Baggies Broadcast Season 3, Episode 28. My name is Luke Hatfield and as ever I am joined by a man who's had an internet connection for a while now. Uh, an Albion correspondent at the Express and Star, our main man, Mr Joe Massey. Joe, how are you doing? I'm very well mate, you're right. God, it must be about, is it two weeks now since I've had the internet? A week? I can't remember, I'm even losing track. I think it's two weeks since I've had the internet now. Absolutely phenomenal news. Unbelievable that the first time I had the internet was, and then we had James Morrison on the podcast, and the sound quality was absolutely dreadful. Um, <laughs> but them the breaks, aren't they? This is our first podcast, just me and you for a while. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's it's, it's a strange old deal, isn't it? Just us two. Just uh, the two of how, us. How is internet live treating you? Are you? Have you been binge watching series on Netflix, that sort of thing? Yes, we have. We've uh, thrown ourselves right into uh, Killing Eve. Oh, nice. As a household, yeah. Me and Mrs. are a bit hooked on that. We're only a couple of episodes in. Um, but very much enjoying the freedom of being able to watch what we want, what we want when we, when, uh, what we want to watch, when we can watch it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think what so. What you want, when you want. What you want, when you want, yeah. So, and um, also, also, currently uh, uh, in, the, in negotiations with Sky about a potential refund. A uh, refund? Wow, well, not a refund, sorry, compensation. Ah. Um, it's been it's been sent to Ofcom because I was actually without the internet for forty five days. Um, um, so apparently I'm due a bit of money back, but we'll see. We'll see. Is there, some sort of, is there some sort of day like after a certain period of time you can you can raise a compensation claim? Uh, well, I think so. They've got some sort of policy where I think it's something like I mean we don't know what we're going to get, but we're, apparently you get a certain X amount of pounds for every day you've not had the internet. And obviously we we've been right for forty five days, so it should be as simple as how whatever their policy times in it by forty five, and that's getting some money back. So I'm quite excited about that because uh, if we do get it, we're, we're going to spend some money doing the garden, like you've been doing over the weekend. Yeah, um, discussing with you off air before we started. Um, I didn't tell you that I was off yesterday. No, that was a nice touch. Thanks for yeah. that. Me just rocking up to work thinking we're doing a podcast and you're just not even there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was I began some work on the garden, so my turf's not very good. Um, to say not very good is is probably an overstatement as well. Like it is dreadful, shocking. So I thought I'll dig it all up. It'll take me like a day. It's not a very big garden. I'll take up a day, uh, dig all that up. Then another day I'll like reload, like put some new topsoil on it, do some new seeding. Um, but I tell you what, I did not realise how long it takes, Joe. My, I've put my back out doing it. We're not. You wouldn't really classify us as gardeners, would you? This is I just mean, lockdown life, isn't it? It's lockdown life, looking for things to do. Yeah, I thought. I looked outside and I thought the weather was nice, and I've been saying I'll do it, um, and I just regretted it almost instantly. Yeah. The You're most gardening I've ever done. Type, really, are you? You're more mm. a sit at home and play FIFA type. I'm definitely that kind of guy. Um, as Albion fans know, I get I get Albion fans contact me about FIFA. I get more people messaging me about FIFA nowadays than the actual football. I can't. The one thing, like not the one thing, I'm looking forward to most about football returning is, but it's high up there. Is people stopping talking about esports because it's not a real thing. I don't oh, care mate, what anyone it says. Though. It's not a real thing. You cannot be paid to play FIFA. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. People are paid though. I know it's absolutely mental. Mental. You win like the the tour, like the biggest tournament. You get mega money. I know. I couldn't care less how good someone is at FIFA, you know. 
Couldn't care less. I mean, play me, Joe. Play me. Ah, uh, one day. <laughs> but I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's talk about the album. Yeah, let's do it. Um, the big talking point, I suppose, the return of football. Are we getting any closer? Because I don't know about you, Joe, but I was watching Bundesliga highlights on the weekend, and I was starting to miss it more. Ah, uh, interesting. I didn't. I didn't watch any. Uh... Bundesliga action at the weekend. Um, I just can't. I know this. Probably, this probably sounds really, really awful, but I just can't be bothered. Like in terms, I just. I, I'm only. I can. I love football, but I can only watch football. I'm, I've got a connection with. Mm. Um, and I've, I've just not. I don't know anything about German football really. Um, by the fact that Jaden Sancho plays for Dortmund, and even he was on the bench at the weekend. So, yeah, I didn't watch any of it. I couldn't get into it. Um, I just couldn't. Um, I'm just pining, pining for Albion to come back and the EFL to come back and the Premier League to come back. But where are we? Where are we? It's the million dollar question. It's one that's very, very, very hard to answer. And mm. it's one that if I, I'll try and answer it now, but I might end up tying myself in knots and not making an awful lot of sense. If I don't make an awful lot of sense, and I apologise to everyone listening. But what I would say is, through the past five, six weeks, if you'd asked me percentage-wise, what do I, is football returning? Is, is our Albion going to resume their push for promotion? I'd have said it's very close to 50-50, and I would have definitely edged on them not returning. Mm. I would have said 55% they won't, 45% they will. Um, after the last five, six, seven days... I've flipped those odds around. I'm sticking to 55-45, but I'd now say it's slightly more likely they will come back than they won't. Mm. Um, But I can't stress how there is still such a long way to go. Um, And it's very, very, very complicated. Um, Essentially, the championship, even though it's part of the EFL... um, it's very much married to what the Premier League are going to do. So we're having these meetings on a weekly basis. I think that's my little boy crying, if you can hear that in the background. He is screaming his head off. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're having these weekly meetings, and what we can say is, essentially, they are take every every meeting that they have, baby steps, ignore the pun, um, are being taken um, to... Get, get back to playing football, but they are only baby steps. Um, and there's multiple reasons why that is really. It's partly because it's very, very hard to get clubs to agree to anything. And it's also because everyone wants to see what's happening with coronavirus. Everyone wants to see what situation we're in next week, what situation we're in in two weeks, what situation we're in in three weeks. So there's a benefit to waiting on one hand. And there's also this situation where it's incredibly hard to get 24 clubs to agree to the same thing. Mm. Um, which is why every single week it's very, very slow progress. It is progress. That has to be stressed. It's definite. It's real progress. It's just very, very slow progress. So the problems we've got are that the Premier League and the Championship are very much married together. I've been saying for years now, um, years and years and years, that I very much see it in football as Premier League and Premier League 2. And as far as I'm concerned, that's obviously the Premier League and the Championship. Yeah. And I see League 1 and League 2 together as well. There's such a, such a gulf between League 1 and League 2, in my opinion, in terms of 
the quality of football, the wages being played, the transfer fees being paid. They're different worlds, League One and League Two, yeah. even if they do, even if League One does feed into League Two. Um, so it's very much a case that it's the Premier League and the Championship that are married together here. The Premier League has an awful, awful lot more money than the Championship. Um, and that's where this runs into difficulty in the sense that the Premier League clubs are going to be able to afford putting on these games relatively simply. It's not going to be an issue for them. But it's going to cost an immense amount of money to play these games. The testing is incredibly expensive. All Bundesliga clubs are staying in quarantine hotels. So mm. you are going to, for if it's six, seven weeks, however long the season's going to be, clubs are going to have to pay for their players, their, their coaching staff, to all stay in a hotel for that length of period. So all, every meal they eat, every drink they drink, it's going to be an, an incredible bill. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, you've got the actual issues surrounding playing. Could someone con contract coronavirus? What do we do with out-of-contract players? Are they going to actually play when a month later they could be out-of-contract and without a club? Mm. So the Premier League, the cash for the Premier League isn't an issue. They can sort that out. But for clubs, a lot of clubs in the Championship, it will be. It's even more of an issue lower down in League 1 and League 2. That's why we had the announcement from League 2, essentially, that they're going to end the season on points per game. And it's why the vast majority of clubs in League 1 want to do the same, except these sort of rebel six um, who are desperate to try and get a playoff yeah. um, in place. But that situation just shows how difficult it is to reach an agreement if i'm not if you're not following me at any stage here just chip in because i'm saying a lot and it is very it's just there's just so many things to think about with this but everyone and that's the big issue of this is looking after themselves um, everyone has got a vested interest so to put they're that, right to do that as well and not are they yeah you're right they are they are well, yeah they, they are right to do that and 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 they're going to, but there's ways and means of doing it. Like from what we understand, for example, Tranmere obviously don't want to be relegated from League One, mm. but they are handling it. If they do go down on a points per game, they are handling it in a lot more graceful, potentially way, than some of the other clubs in League One who are pushing relentlessly um, for the season to carry on or be ended with a weighted or unweighted points per game system that would benefit them mm. um god i'm even i'm losing my trailer for now it's um but if you the, so the best example probably in in the championship is is charlton who are the only club saying what should happen is we should end the season but after 23 games the last point everyone played each other once mm. um and the reason why they want to do that is because coincidentally lo and behold they're out of the champ. They're out of the relegation zone. If that's the way you do it, yeah. Um, and then you've got Hull have come out today, basically saying they want it to be null and void. Um, obviously, because they're in free I mean, fall. They're, they're falling like a, a stone, aren't they? Falling like a stone. So that's their vested interest. And obviously, you've got clubs at the top who who, who want to play on. And so that's where we are in a sense that we are struggling to reach a consensus, but. Progress is being made every single week and the championship is so bedded into the Premier League that it has to pretty much do what it does as, as best it possibly can. It has to try and follow their example. 
And if any league is going to come back, it's going to be the Premier League. So there's so much still, such a long way still to go. Um, but it's still going to be hard to a reach that agreement and b even return in the first place. But it does look. I mean, I'm just going off on an absolute tangent here, but. It does look more likely they'll come back, but just mm. because the Bundesliga have come back, and just because um, sort of teams are returning to training and testing starting, it, it's by absolutely no means guaranteed. Um, by no means guaranteed, because there's a lot of clubs in the Championship who will be worried about how much it's going to cost them. Um, and that's ultimately the big thing, isn't it? Because I mean, well, the biggest thing is of course safety, and you know, people, fans, players coaches everyone being safe but in terms of a return of sport money is such a massive thing because as i mean as everyone will know there are clubs in the championship who might not be as well run as others and it's not particularly the well run club's fault but you can't you can't carry on a league where teams are going to be unable to foot the bill um and it's going to take a lot of work, I think, to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. It's not even... Some of it isn't even the case of being, like, well-run. Like, some of them are, like... Like, Barnsley, Luton, they're in a different stratosphere to Albion. They're just... They just don't have anywhere near the same finances. It's a completely mm. different world for them. Um, that's why I talk about this gap from League 1 to League 2. So, I mean, it's... it's it's, a, it's not really relevant to Albion, but in, obviously at the Express and Star, we cover Shrewsbury Town as well as part of the Shropshire Star. Mm. And I was covering Shrewsbury last week and I spoke to the chief exec there, Brian Caldwell, um, about their potential return. And he said that if for Shrewsbury to play their remaining 10 games, it will cost the club half a million pounds. They will make a half a million pounds loss. Um, and... Accrington Stanley chairman Andy Holt, he's been very vocal as well, saying similar things. And there's different there's, in the, the championship. There's going to be different degrees of how many of how the clubs can handle that loss. And whatever the league does, it's going to have to be voted on and approved. So there's it's such a long way to go. Can I don't I don't know Wigan's finances. I don't. But can Wigan afford to do the testing, pay for their players to stay in a hotel for eight weeks? Um, and do they and do they want to and risk playing potentially with youth players or reserve team players because four players have turned around and said they don't feel safe playing mm. um, or four players are out of contract in the summer and saying they re they're not playing because they could pick up an injury that could potentially scupper the move or they're saying why should I play for Wigan Athletic you're disregarding me in the month I'm not running out onto a pitch and giving you everything when you're going to let me leave for nothing. So this, the hurdles to overcome are absolutely massive. Mm. Um, and that's what you're going to have somehow have to try and get a, a consensus of what teams will agree to. And that's why it's so hard. Um, and, and that's just as hard in the Premier League, but the Premier League have got more money. Yeah. There are less, I suppose, less financial hurdles for any Premier League team yeah. because the amount of money in the game uh, just makes it much, much easier to manage. I think there was a story that came out earlier this year um, or earlier this season saying that most Premier League clubs could run without a fan ever attending a game because 
of the amount of money that they get from TV revenue and, and such, um, which isn't the case in the Championship. You've got to add on top of that that training has to resume. You've got to kind of get the okay to, to have you know full contact games. It's not as... It's not as it's not the same as it is in Germany. In Germany, they I feel that they've handled the outbreak much better than they have here um, from a political standpoint, and obviously we've seen less cases there. And when you're trying to introduce full contact game football, I mean, how safe can it really be? And you've seen you've seen players like Troy Deeney come out and expressing their worries. Uh, Tammy Abraham as well. I mean, there are clubs in the local area who have said they've got players who have got asthma or family members who are in a vulnerable, that vulnerable category. There are so many other hiccups as well that still need to be tackled too. Yeah, I think what what is absolutely fair to say is that every dressing room up and down the country, Albion included, but I mean all 91, will be divided. Mm. There will be players who are itching to get back, who are desperate to play. There will be players who are very, very concerned. Um, and there will be players who are probably adamant that they're not going to play, like Troy Deeney. Um, so, it's ne- I mean, of course there are going to be different opinions in a, in a, in a, in a room of 20, 25 people. Um, so I just think there's still an awful long way to go. The best way to say it is what I said at the start is, with each week, every more progress is being made. Um, but there is going to have to come to a point where they have to make a decision. And it looks like that decision is going to be in the next couple of weeks. Because from what we understand, extending the season sort of beyond July, August just isn't really an option. Mm. Um, teams want it done and to get on with the next season you've got to, you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere haven't you you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and there's obviously massive issues with players contracts um which is a like a legal minefield waiting to happen so we're getting very very close to making a decision i think and i think we are everything is heading into the right direction it's heading in the right direction but it's just at the end there's such huge hurdles to overcome there's still an awful lot of work is going to have to happen um, for, for that to overcome. And I think it's very, very interesting League 2 has now made a decision. Um, you'd think League 1 would be very, very close to. Um, do you think that League 2 doing that has kind of set a precedent? Yeah, I think... <laughs> not, I think everyone sort of looks at League 2 now with sort of a bit of admiration and says, oh, fair play, like you've you've made quite a sensible decision there, really. Um, mm. And you've stopped it, it from dragging on. But that isn't going to stop any other club owners from acting to suit their needs, really. Um, hence, what's going on in League One. Um, mm. And bizarre suggestions that teams like Ipswich could be in the playoffs even though they're 10th in the table and 11 fun points per game. I mean, as an Ipswich fan, even I know, that's ridiculous. Mm. And to discussing training as well, I mean, what's the deal with Albion? Because there's, you know, teams coming back to training now. Um, how, are, how are Albion tackling that? So what I understand is there's this 
If you look at the Premier League as of today, a lot of clubs have reported for training and they're calling it phase one of training. Mm. Phase one is essentially where you can work in groups of like two or three, maybe three or four with a coach. Um, Albion are back in, in training, but they're not in phase one. They're sort of in a preliminary to phase one. Um, mm. And they're not really classifying it as training. It's, it's pretty much exercise. Um, and what it's players pretty much doing what they've been doing at home, what they were doing at home. It's them doing it pretty much at the training ground, um, just with a coach able to sort of watch over them. Um, and to be used, I think they've got 43 acres um, at Albion's training ground, and essentially to make the most of that space, just because the players want to go out, they want to run, they want to, like, like, every, like you'd rather run around a park than you can't, like, not everyone's, you can't always just run around your back garden or whatever. So, mm. obviously, if they're running around the album's training ground, there's less chance of picking up an infection than there are if they're running around the park. So, I yeah. think that's all. That's where they are at at the minute. It's very, very, very. Um, it's basically not training. It's sort of exercise. But they will. Phase one will begin on Monday. Mm. Um, after they've all been tested for coronavirus, which will be on Thursday and Friday this week. I suppose the big hiccup will be, and that's not, I mean, not just Albion, but any club, if a club tests players and someone comes back positive, what do you do then? Yeah, well, that did happen in Germany, didn't it? Um, mm. It did happen, and they, they had to, I think they had to isolate for 14 days, and you guess the same will happen again here. Um, this is what I mean when I say there's such hurdles to overcome. I mean... Look, the championship players are being tested on Thursday and Friday. It's not just Albion's players; it's all it's all players. I mean, if I don't know, I don't I don't know what happens if five players from five different clubs test positive. Then, what happens then? I honestly don't know. Um, and that's that's why it's a constant constant moving beast, really. And that's why they're doing everything they can to get back, but we're still still a long way from doing it but like I said at the start I think it has tipped in the balance towards coming back I do think it's more likely it will than it won't but it is still very much 50-50 mm, it certainly is um, let's catch up on some Albion news as well uh, first one um, I'll tell you what as lockdown news comes it didn't get much better for Slavon Bilic did it what is 12 million quid he's getting oh yeah um, Slavon's payout yeah, this is a strange story. Um, strange story. So, I mean, after, after, I haven't really looked into it since I wrote it, but it's... Con so, obviously, before he was at Albion, I don't know how you pronounce it, if I'm honest. Al-Itihad? Al-Itihad. Al-Itihad in Saudi Arabia. Um, Bilic was in charge of them, took over, signed a three-year deal, club were in the relegation zone when he took over. Five months later, he was sacked. They were still in the relegation zone. Um, very, very conflicting reports of how he got on while in Saudi Arabia. Um, some reports you read said he won quite a decent amount of games. Some reports say he didn't win that amount of games. Um, what we only thing we know for a fact is that in the January, he was sacked in the February, he won mm. manager of the month. So... In January, he was manager of the month. In February, he lost um, a derby, effectively, 2-0, and was sacked. Um, so, 
what it seems is is that there's been some sort of change of ownership at this club. Bilic, they, according to Al-Hadiyad, they Bilic was sacked because of results. Um, Bilic says he was actually doing well. They turned a corner. There was um, big, big improvements with the team and they were heading in the right direction. You'd have to say his manager of the month award would kind of back that up. Yeah. Um, and he said essentially he was sacked because of a change of ownership. And he said apparently in Saudi Arabia, owners, clubs change ownership very, very frequently. Um, and obviously when someone takes over a football club, they tend to want to bring in their own manager. So it does appear there's a highly likely that is what happened to Bilic. That's the reason why he left. But he did sign a three-year contract. Um, obviously, he's due compensation because he was sacked five months into that three-year contract. And um, yeah, he instructed FIFA, um, who have handled his handled the situation for him. And I think mm. he's been awarded... What we'll say is he's been awarded multi, multi, multi millions of pounds um, we don't, it's varying reports one report said 15 million dollars one report said 14 million euros um, that might that's roughly in the region of 12 million pounds but we don't know we don't know how much he's got um, all we know is he has got one heck of a payout um, and I assume you're expecting a similar amount from Sky yes mate <laughs> Yes, that would be lovely. Yeah, that would be lovely. Um, but yeah, that's my understanding that he's, uh, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's gone from, I'm sure he was pretty comfortable anyway, old Slavin, but he's now very, 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 very wealthy. Yeah, maybe see some new trainers when football returns, eh? Um, I think he should buy Pereira, personally. <laughs> just buy, buy Pereira for himself. Yeah. He should buy Pereira and just have him throughout his managerial career. Just always loan him to the club he's in charge of. Like, Carlos Tevez was involved in some sort of like third-party weird ownership, wasn't he? It was strange, and i tell you what, that caused all sorts of problems, didn't it? So that's what I'd do if I was Bilic. I'd just buy Pereira. Pay the <laughs> $8.25 <million. laughs> That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, uh, let's talk about Carl Edwards as well, uh, sticking around. Yeah, uh, so... Another long-winded answer from me. It doesn't really massively affect Carl Edwards, but this is this is an interesting one for him and I feel for Nathan Ferguson. Um, mm. It's just because I think Nathan Ferguson's so such an interesting uh, case study in life now, not just for Albion, but just in everyday life. So, Carl Edwards in in talks for a new deal at Albion. Um, yeah. Coronavirus has basically put everything on hold, every single thing, every bit of transfer activity on hold. Not that they're not doing transfer work, they are. They're identifying targets, they are scouting players using Y-Scout, bits and bobs like that. But everyone wants to just take a step back and see what the football financial landscape is going to be when football does eventually return. I mean, we've heard yesterday that there's a potential that it's going to be 12 months before fans can come back into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um which is obviously financially huge um, for football clubs. That is absolutely astronomical sums of money. So there's nothing wrong with them just going, hang on a minute, I'm just going to take a step back um, and we'll assess things when we know where we are. The trouble is we don't know when they're going to know where, where, where they are, when they're going to be in that position where they can comfortably look forward and go, right, this is a scenario, this is how much money we're going to spend, blah de blah de blah So everything's been put on hold. So what Albion have done is, with Kyle Edwards, is they have triggered his 12-month extension. 
Um, he was in advanced talks before that. Mm -hmm. So he will now sit down when Albion are in a position, well, when Albion feel they're in a comfortable, a comfortable enough position to be able to renegotiate contracts and those contract talks will resume. Now, I don't know if they'll resume at the same, if he'll get offered what he got offered before. I don't think there's any can guarantee that because suddenly play, clubs might be tightening the purse strings. Uh, but I don't know, he might be, but I'm just, I'm just speculating there. But I mean, I feel, I feel a bit bad bringing Nathan Ferguson out because he's not been in the headlines or anything and we don't really need to talk about him. But this is the one that only interests me out of... If, if the football finance, financial landscape is changing, is the 30 grand a week deal Palace offered Nathan Ferguson still going to be on the table? Because that really is at square one, isn't it? Yeah, like they you have do got... wonder, don't you? Because, I mean, as you said, if, if clubs are making less money and it's it's not just going to be in one club, it affects every club, you've got a feeling and there's that kind of feel going around right now that transfer fees are going to be lower, wages are likely to be lower. I mean, if you're in that situation, if you've just signed a new deal before, you might be looking at it like, brilliant, I'm making way more money. Um, than a lot of like similar calibre players but equally if you're about to sign a new deal you might be in a bit of trouble There seems to be this sort of overall consensus in the game that football finances are going to change everyone's just going to be a little bit more realistic everyone's going to be a little bit more cautious and it feels like I mean look in five years time everything might be back to exactly where we are now but it feels like agents are going to be the real big losers in this hmm. um, it feels like Clubs are thinking, right, we've got to be really, really careful of our finances. Are we going to pay Agent A 200 grand just to broker that deal? Um, and I think a lot of them are starting to think, well, no, we're not. Um, so all this on the table. I mean, look, Nathan Ferguson, I mean, it's awful talking about, I mean, should, I, should you talk about someone else's finances? But, I mean, probably not. But the truth is the information is already out there. But... He's on one to, one to two thousand pounds a week at Albion as it stands. He missed out on that move to Palace, which was going to be thirty grand a week. Albion offered him a new deal, which I understand was like, I mean, not a million miles away from that thirty grand a week, and would have been pretty much that if they'd got promoted to the Premier League. I mean, we're talking mm. an astronomical pay rise, and he has missed out on all of that from the moment that move collapsed. I mean, every week he is losing about 28 grand a week. I mean, Feb, I don't know how he's doing it. I mean, he, he, he went on a podcast with a university, um, it was the University of Warwick or Worcestershire, I don't know what it was, a couple mm. of weeks ago. And um, I mean, he was just the same old Nathan Ferguson. Like, I've only interviewed him a couple of times, but he's always so happy and charming. And, like, and he just thought, yeah, you're all right, aren't you? Fair play, you're handling everything really, really well. But I mean, I couldn't do it, mate. I'd be absolutely... <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If I lose a fiver in a, in a in a bet, I'm fuming. I can't imagine losing that kind of money. I found a tenner the other day on the floor. Did you? Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, I was so buzzing with that. Like a tenner, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Um, and then I was just like, and it's to, oh God, I just can't believe how much money he's missing out on, basically. But... Yeah, that's the, that's the situation. The truth is, he's only got himself to blame, really, which is a really harsh thing to say, but it is the truth. He should have just signed a deal at Albion, shouldn't he? Mm, um, 
Lastly, um, Jake Livermore, he's uh, been quoted today saying that his, his, you know, his, his main thoughts are on Albion. He's not thinking about an England call-up. But do you think um, Jake could be in for a, a recall for England? I'm. Well, I think we've discussed this previously before. I've always been in the boat of there's a lot of good midfielders, and I think Jake is maybe just a tad. He's not over the hill, but he's at the age where I Don't think Southgate will be looking elsewhere. Don't you ever say Jake Livermore is over the hill? That is the most ridiculous. That's, a, that's, that's what I said. I'm not, I didn't say that. <laughs> Good. I said I'm not saying Good. he's over Don't the hill. Don't say that. Don't even bring those words into the same sentence. <laughs> but I think he's at the age where Southgate might look at him and say, if you were three or four years younger, uh, he'd be in his thinking. But I think at his age now, what is he, 30? Um, just, and, is it I mean, just fair? Yeah, but at the same time, is Southgate going to look for a younger player? So the reason why Jay Livermore's talking about this today, and it's it's a bit like, it's, I'm glad I've got this podcast to pull it into context, although probably more, unfortunately, more people will read the story than will listen to the podcast for the context. But everyone, well, a lot, you know, like I'm a massive England fan. I love England. I'm a bit obsessed with England, and I'm a, a, bit, a, bit, a bit obsessed with Jake Livermore as well, to be honest. So, a bit. Uh, <laughs> and um, I asked him, simple as I, I mean, I asked him. We did, a, we did a Zoom call, and I just came out of it. I was like, "Do you ever think about England?" Um, that sort of crossed your mind. Like you, he, he said himself, pretty much. He thought he was playing the best football of his career last season. He's won seven caps for England already. He was. 2018 World Cup, he was on the standby list for the squad, which mm -hmm. it was the last tournament we played. Um, that's how close he was um, to going to the World Cup. He was damn, damn close um, to go in. So I think perhaps people have forgotten just how close he was um, and how much Southgate obviously liked him to have him in that, on that standby list just, just two years ago. Mm. Um, also, um, he is playing the best football of his career and um, well, maybe not, it's that difficult because obviously he was playing really, really well when he got picked for England. But I don't think there's a lot of. I think he'd be a great understudy to Jordan Henderson. Um, in terms of, I mean, look, I don't. We know in my opinion on Declan Rice. I think he's bang average. I just don't. I just don't get it. Um, I know Slaven Bilic loves him, um, and obviously Slaven knows million and one more things about football than I do and I'm sure he's right really but I just don't mm. get it I just don't get it um, Harry Winks meh oh, what you've got Eric Dyer as well maybe yeah but I mean the... <sighs> I'm not the biggest Eric Dyer fan and I do I see where you're coming from in terms of after Jordan Henderson which is the player that Livermore would be in competition with don't get I love Jordan Henderson so I'm a big, big, big Jordan Henderson fan. Anyone who asks on the desk, I've been singing his praises for years and getting a lot of stick for it. So I feel very, very justified to see him getting all the plaudits he's getting now. Um, but I think Livermore would probably be, if you're England are playing a friendly, or not a friendly, or a qualifier or something, and they're 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go, you think, oh, bring Jordan Henderson off, rest his legs, because he's playing every week for Liverpool, which we bring on, Jake Livermore. But what I would say is, and I'm stealing this from Jonathan Greening because I asked him about it as well because I really am obsessed with it, um, is if Livermore was to play in the champ... If, if, if Albion go up and Livermore plays as well this season, next season, he will get. I think he'll be in the shout. Mm. 
I think he'll definitely come into consideration. Um, and I don't see any reason why he can't do that. He's trimmed down. We all know he's worked really hard this time last year on his physique and like losing sort of muscle mass so he could become more mobile. Do you know what? Like, he's a smashing bloke. Like, he's, he's not going to, like... He'll probably play until he's, like, 38 because mm. he's not going to... He's going to... Like, he lives... Like, he trains and works and eats and everything properly. Um, it's just so professional. So, I think he's in, in a chance. I don't know. I think he's got a chance. <laughs> I feel like if he, if he had a similar season in the Premier League, I'd be much, much more open to the idea. But for now, I think... Playing in the in the championship, Southgate has rarely kind of, you know, gone that route. And I think if you look elsewhere in the championship, you look at someone like a Calvin Phillips. And if Leeds were to go up with Albion, I think you look at Calvin Phillips. You look at his age. They both play a, the same position. I I just think if they were if they were playing at a similar level, I think Calvin Phillips probably gets the nod. Yeah, um, maybe. Well, I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I do, don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm not saying call him up while he's in the championship. I'm not saying that. I'm mm. saying he's got to go to the Premier League and do what he's done this year. But I see absolutely no reason why he can't do that. And I don't know Calvin Phillips, so I don't know what he's like as a person. And he might be the ultimate pro, but Livermore is the ultimate pro. Mm. And Southgate loves that, doesn't he? That is a big thing. Like, it's a massive thing for Southgate, isn't it? Attitude and and what you get up to outside of football because he doesn't want anyone that's going to rock the boat. Um, and, like, not only is he, like... He is an ultimate pro, but he is a lad as well. So, like, mm. he'd be good... He's just good. For, he's just great for a dressing room, isn't he? But anyway, yeah. we can't keep singing Livermore's praises. That's what I do every single week. <laughs> I'm not on Livermore's payroll. I'm not, I'm not... I feel like I'm Livermore's press officer at the minute. It's ridiculous. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just change it to the Jake Livermore podcast, shall we? Um... <laughs> That's, my, right. that's what I'm going to set up in my yeah, little side project. <laughs> Lockdown life brings us to the Jake Livermore podcast. Um, right, I've got a little segment before we get into questions from the listeners, and it is about the return to football, Joe. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and um, mention some of the suggestions that have been made regarding the return to football. Some of them um, are serious, some of them are a bit far-fetched. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of get you to rate them, to be honest. Um, so you've got you've got a a realistic kind of rating of one to five. Five being very realistic. One being that's absolutely ludicrous, Luke. Never mention never mention that to me again. Okay. First one, and this was one I saw last week. Players will be asked to look away whilst tackling. Oh, I mean that's ridiculous, isn't it? How silly is that? One. You can't do that. What's the point? It's pretty crazy, How isn't it? How can you even look away while tackling? I mean, if you get sent off, if, you, if, if, if you're going for a tackle, look away, and you catch the man, the ref runs up and gives you a red card, yeah. and you'd be like, what? Well, I couldn't look at it. No reported cases of coronavirus, but four broken legs. Yeah. <laughs> Not really worth it, is it? Yeah, I mean, so that's a one. Yeah. Games to be played at neutral venues. Well, that's an interesting one. Uh, because without doubt, that was plan A. That was mm. the plan of the EFL. Um, um, 
to play behind closed play behind closed doors at neutral venues and I think now it's definitely definitely not going to happen and I think the reason why they were so eager to play at neutral venues was um, they didn't trust fans you know they were worried about fans gathering outside grounds weren't they yeah I think basically like before football was suspended I think Paris Saint-Germain had a game where thousands of people turned up um, outside I think there was another case um, of a European game I'm not sure which one I must admit when I was covering Wolves Olympiacos in the Europa League you could hear chants outside the ground um so I think that was what the fear was, but I think what they sort of failed to um, really appreciate until these Bundesliga games, when no one's turned up, is that when no one back then really knew what coronavirus was or understood the risks or yeah. really had an appreciation of the magnitude of what we were living in, the times we were living in. So that's why they turned up, because I think everyone was a bit blasé about it. I mean, our own Prime Minister was shaking hands with, pe- with people, wasn't he? Like, it's it, around that time. So it was just a bit... No one knew what was coming, did they? Absolutely. It was an afterthought a little bit, wasn't it? No one was, like, thinking... I mean, dude, I do it now sometimes. Me and my wife, generally, we sit on the sofa and we're like... We just look at each other and we go, we're in lockdown? Like, we're actually in lockdown. I can't believe it. Like, I still like can't believe it. Like, you'd think, even, like, t- ten weeks ago, if someone told you this had happened, you'd, you wouldn't believe it, would you? No. No, absolutely no chance. And everyone obviously understands what's happening now. Everyone understands the severity of the situation. No one's going to put lives at risk unnecessarily or risk overwhelming the NHS just by turning up to a football stadium to stand outside where all they can do is look at a wall, basically. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why that one is now off the table. Mm. Um, that's, I think that's my, well, that's my understanding of it anyway. So I think that's a, a two. Two, yeah. fair. Games to be played in Australia. <laughs> I mean, that was, that a- was a, I'll tell you what, I, I enjoyed that suggestion purely because I thought for a split second in a selfish, most <laughs> selfish point of view, I might get a free trip to Melbourne out of this. I was like, I said it to my wife and then she was like, you're not going. Like, there's no way you're going flying over to Australia and leaving me with two kids, like a two-year-old and a, <laughs> a five-month-old. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a one, isn't it? But, but, but I do genuinely think it was discussed. It was an option on the table. They've, they've literally talked about everything, absolutely everything. Mm. So I do think, that's why when you see these stories and when reporters get some reporters get a bit of stick for um printing them because um, they are very very far-fetched and the, and maybe when they were talking about it even they thought there's a one percent chance of this happening but they did talk about it and therefore someone's reported it um and therefore it's a legitimate story but yeah it's not going to happen is it so it's it's interesting that kind of stuff because at the end of the day with a situation like this which is completely unprecedented to use the buzzword that's going around um creative solutions uh, are welcomed no solution is a silly one until you review it um, and I mean in theory you could say you know Australia if they've handled it better than us 
it's more likely there'll be quarantine. Like it would make a little bit of sense in someone's head until you read into the logistics of it. Um, so no trip to Melbourne for us. Uh, what rating did you give that one? A one or two? One, was one, it? yeah. One. Um, this was one which is more recent. Games to have halves shorter than 45 minutes. Ah, so one as well. God, there's been absolute rubbish out there, haven't there? So what are they thinking? Like three 30-minute thirds? Or like as in the games are actually going to be less than 90 minutes? I think they were saying it was going to be less than 90 minutes, weren't they? I mean, that's madness. I mean, if, it, if that's the situation you're in, just don't come back. If it's if it's a risk playing football for ninety minutes but not a risk playing football for seventy minutes, then let's just don't bother. That's mm. ridiculous. Um, God, it's been a lot of rubbish, isn't there? Yeah. Um, you give that a one? Well, definitely. Give that yeah. a zero. Teams to be able to field more than three substitutes. That's a five, game. isn't it? It's going to happen, isn't it? They think. And what's happening in the Bundesliga? That's what they're doing. They're doing five subs. Um, and from what I've seen, they I think the vast vast majority of teams did make all five, mm. five or four. Um, and this isn't necessarily a coronavirus safety thing, is it? It's the fact that players aren't going to be as much fit. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I think there's an awful lot of muscle injuries in the Bundesliga over the weekend. Mm. Um, which is the big thing that players are starting to talk about now, isn't it? Bilic has said all along that he thinks you need three weeks to get fit. Um, but there's, I think Raheem Sterling has said you need four. I think a lot of managers feel you need four. Um, so I think 12th of June is the current start date, but there's a lot of reports that'll be pushed back to the 19th. But obviously, mm. once you get pushed back to the 19th, that's another week gone. Um, so that's another hurdle to overcome, but one that should be manageable, really. You'd think so. Um, so five there. Artificial fans to fill stadia. Now, we've seen clubs in Germany and clubs elsewhere um, allowing fans to submit pictures of themselves and to be put on like cutouts and placed in the stadium. Other, other grounds have you know, started pumping in music or... And maybe even like a canned cheer, I think. How realistic do you think that is here? I don't know. I don't. I generally don't know. I don't know. Three? I don't, I don't know. I haven't really looked into it, to be honest. But I don't think... Can you remember? We, did, did me and you go in the lift at West Ham together? Yeah. And remember that they were playing noise, crowd noise, into the lift? Can yeah, you remember? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow... The atmosphere because is. they did it even when we were sat in the in the stands. Because I didn't know it was I didn't know it was a, a recording. Because I mentioned it to you, didn't I? Yeah, that's I said, right. Why yeah. is it so loud when the ground was only just filling up? And then I realised the sound was coming from speakers. Because I couldn't believe it. Because I thought in that lift, I thought we were going to walk out into like a cauldron. I was like, oh God, it's buzzing here. The atmosphere is fantastic. And then you walk out the lift, and it was silent. Yeah. That was so strange. I don't think it worked, did it? I can see how it would work from a broadcasting point of view. It would make it more watchable, I think. I think one of the things about watching a game behind closed doors is it feels a bit meh when you're watching it, especially on TV. You don't have that kind of buzz you get 
but at the same time, it would, it's pretty silly when I was, I mean, having covered a game like that, they were playing like warm-up music and they're still announcing the teams and they were giving it loads of gusto, but there's no fans in there and it just seems strange. I think it's a bit, maybe a little bit tin pot. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I'd just go with the silence. Mm. Um, Last one. And I'm kind um, of looking forward to that because you get to hear what the managers are saying. That's what they were saying yeah. about the Bundesliga. People could, fans could hear at home a lot more what the manager was saying. It was you being can hear the players as well, can't you? It was you? being picked up by the cameras. So I think that, that I think that's a, like not a perk because there's obviously no perks. But I, I do find, I do I mean that is that is a little it is very interesting to listen to a manager. I think during the game, a little bit of a silver lining. Um, Last one. Games to be shown on free-to-air TV. Um, so I think that's likely that somewhere... I saw something on the news about this yesterday. It's that at, at the moment, there's it's like written that you can't broadcast a game at 3pm on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, but I think that's like going to be a loop. They're going to get round that now. So that's more of a ticketing thing, isn't it? They don't want fans not to go to ground. Yeah, but obviously fans. That's right. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. So because fans won't be at the grounds, that's almost like a slot that's free, where mm. you could air a game. Um, so it would be great if that was on BBC or ITV. Um, so it wasn't just Sky. Dad. Um, I suppose you'd maybe, if you were thinking of it from a broadcasting point of view, Sky and. BT get the pick of the pick of the litter, so to speak, with the games going ahead at three PM, and then BBC and ITV, you know, would maybe get the rest. Yeah, so yeah. Well, we, so you know, Manchester United, Arsenal might be on, which would probably be on Sky, and then you'd have, I don't know, Chelsea, Spurs, and which would probably be on BT, and then, and then, you know, BBC would end up with, I don't know, the, the next best thing. So like, say, a Man City versus West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great, that, wouldn't it? Would be good. I don't know whether Sky and B2 would be thrilled by it, though. Oh, I know, but come on. They've got a... Yeah, maybe not, but... It'd be a bit unfair, wouldn't it? It would be... It would be a bit frustrating if they were to veto it. Um, but, yeah, that's that covers that. What, what's, what rating did you give that, by the way? I think that'll happen, so five... Five. Four, oh, right, four. Okay. I'm not under, like you said. I think maybe there is a hurdle with Sky and BT, so I give it a four. Yeah. All right. Okay. Four. Four. Fair. Um, questions. 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 Questions from the listeners. First one comes from Ronnie. Paul Sharner mentions in another Baggies podcast last week that he was at the Hawthorns for the Wigan game. That there are a lot of rumblings of discontent going on with abilities and the owners about signings and money which were leaving him frustrated anything to add yeah I think he's then um, asterisked it and put billich I think he means billich instead of abilities um, ah. uh, one what you're doing listening to another podcast that's absolutely shocking behaviour um, we are <laughs> the only Albion podcast you need um, two uh, no I've got absolutely nothing to add to that um, well actually I've got, I, no, I can tell a lie actually I've got an awful lot to add to that um, I've got no doubt that. I mean, you've got to remember what what was happening in January. Um, if I, if I, I'm sure everyone will remember, but basically the need for signings became a lot more pressing 
um, as the, the window went as the window went on and on and on basically like Albin, that was that was Albin's blip wasn't it mm-hmm. um, towards the end of December to early January was the time where Albin had their little wobble they, they weren't playing um, as well as they had been and it coincided with um, the change in formation obviously the likes of Callum Robinson Kamal Grizzicki arriving and giving, giving the team a boost like there's no doubt they gave the team a boost and I think Bilic definitely started the window very, very relaxed. I mean, we did a story on it saying that he basically, um, he said, quotes from him saying, um, I'd be happy, I'd be happy um, just to go with what I've got. Mm. Uh, if we keep Grady, I think there's obviously an option West Ham could recall Dean Garner. Um, so I think that was it really. If they kept Dean Garner um, and everyone stayed fit, Bilic was pretty okay with going with what he had. And then obviously they had this dip and it was sort of, you could see they needed some attacking reinforcements really. Um, I think Matt Phillips' form dipped. Um, Then Dean Garner got injured. Um, And you could just see they needed a little bit more out wide. Um, Mm. And that's why things ramped up quite a lot. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't, they're going to have discussions like, Luke Dowling, Mark Jenkins, Slavin Bilic um, are going to talk about players and how much they got, they've got available to sign, how much money they've got available to sign players and should they bring this player in on a permanent, should they bring this player in on a loan and um, obviously those discussions are going to happen and, and they're going to disagree. Like every club in the country, managers are going to disagree with their boards. That's, that's what, I mean, Sam Allardyce talks about it an awful lot, like how He's, he always saw a big part of his job was getting, getting, eking, trying to eke more out of the board than what they promised him. So, mm. but what I would say is, they definitely, definitely got the players Billich wanted, um, and Billich has always, always had a fantastic um, relationship with Jenkins and Dowling, um, and I don't think it could be going any better really between the three of them. So, I think. Sometimes you can say things that, I don't know, obviously I wasn't there and obviously Paul Shana saw what he saw, but I'm, I'm certainly not worried about the relationship between Bilic, Downing and Jenkins. If anything, I think, it, I genuinely couldn't think, I don't think it could be any better. And I think mm-hmm. Slavin is very, very, very happy at the club with the transfer policy. The fact that it's sort of a long-term thing at Albion where they're going to sort of try and constantly cherry-pick players and improve them and gradually improve the team I think he couldn't be happier so um, yeah it's a, a bit of a I don't, I don't think there's a lot in that to be honest I think it's a bit of a storm in a teacup is that the right saying? Mm, fair um, local Baggies fan it's starting to look likely that they'll be resuming the season has there been any talk about how games will be broadcasted kind of covered that a little bit just but have we heard anything about that? So from what we understand is that the talks are still very much underway Um with the EFL and I follow um, to discuss how games are going to be shown. I think it's, I think it's very, very likely that all games will be accessible. Mm. Um, and I think the reason why perhaps an announcement hasn't been made is I think this isn't Albion per se. I think it's all clubs. I think it's EFL wide. I think they're trying to look into something with season ticket holders. Season ticket holders are obviously owed money back. Yeah. Um, because they've missed out on attending all those games. Now, I think they're trying to come to some 
reach some sort of agreement where instead of giving them all the money they'd be due back, that they'd maybe get a discount to watch the games on iFollow. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you pay them, you give them a partial refund, but yeah. say you're not getting a full refund because you've got the ability to watch every game remaining via this service. Yeah, so say, let's say it's going to cost £10 to watch a game on iFollow. Maybe clubs are looking at it where they will give season ticket holders their money back, but, all, but then charge them £7 to watch all games on iFollow, just taking that that rebate down slightly. So yeah. that's from what I understand is that this is very much an EFL iFollow issue at the moment, um, but one that's being worked on and one that will be sorted so that people can watch the games because obviously everyone's going to be absolutely desperate to watch them. Mm. Um, Paddy WBA with a great question. What What is the thing you're missing most about covering football matches and why is it the food? I see. This is like if 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 football does come back, I've been told that what's going to happen is like say it was a three o'clock kickoff, yeah. we would basically rock up at like quarter to three, and oh, we'd be mental. like given a team sheet, um, and then the game would end, and then Billich say would come down to the pitch, and we would do a presser but socially distanced outside, mm. and then we'd just go. So there would be no pretty much food. There'd be no like rocking up at the Hawthorns at like one o'clock for a three o'clock kickoff. There'd be none of that, um, oh. which I'd be fine with, but basically makes you you like want to look for a new job, day. doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, oh, don't get me wrong. I love the food and it's something we make a lot of, you know, fun and jokes about. Um, ultimately, I'd be happy in any kind of form that football returns. Um, what I'd be, what I'm missing most about covering the games is, it's probably, I don't know, just the buzz of it. It gives you a buzz when you when you go to a game, and you know you, and I think you you can testify to it as well. Even at a home game, like say say the game finishes up and it's an evening kickoff or whatever, you get home and normally, you know, it's it's a pretty intense day and. A lot of people would be like, oh, you just go straight to sleep. But you can't, because the buzz is still there. Um, that's the thing I think I miss most. Um, I do wonder, though, how we would manage that, because, I mean, I don't think there's any guarantees that let the both of us into a game anyway behind closed doors. Yeah, I think that's what, um, yeah. I might have to, my thing I, might, I miss most might actually be you. Oh, mate. Mm. Oh, that's that's pulled at my heartstrings I mean um, there's no guarantee like, that I'm going to get into every game like they've said that there's a possibility that sort of it might be one locals at a game so maybe I'd go one week and the Birmingham Mail would go the other week um, oh. I mean it might not be hopefully we'll both be there but yeah we don't know um, how would we even do a post-match video well we're screwed so for post-match videos aren't we socially distanced post-match video We'd have to do it like we do them at work, where like, you know, like like we do on a Friday, split screen. Oh yeah, yeah. Imagine that. That'd be interesting. Um, next question: Will journalists have to be tested before attending a behind closed door game? You'd imagine so. Um, Richard Downing asked that question, by the way. Um, you'd imagine so, but I don't know who would be footing the bill for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's fitting a bit. You're right. Yeah, 
for I read that journalists are tested. Big Express and Star would have to pay for it. Fat chance. Oh, I don't know, mate. If they want us in, they'd get, I think they'd pay. I suppose it depends on the cost, doesn't it? Yeah, it's different. I mean, yeah, see, that's the thing then. See, it might just be me, the, the, the writers that get tested. Don't know. I don't know. Maybe. That's one of the things we're going to have to find out. Yeah, I honestly don't know. Another hurdle. Bryn Reese, are things okay between you and Luke, or have you had a tiff? I think this comes after the initial tweet that you sent out. Um, it was a little bit barbed. <laughs> are we okay? We're okay, mate. We're okay, aren't we? I replied saying, you probably just remembered I was an Aston Villa fan. Yeah, in a previous life. <laughs> Whoa. That's incorrect. Um, did either of you watch any Bundesliga and if so were there any players you'd love to see at Albion realistic signings if we're in the Prem or Champ uh, I liked Sane at Schalke even though they conceded four said Brun Reese. Um Joe I know you're not the biggest German football fan for me one person who impressed me is another Matthias oh. uh, for Hertha Berlin I think it was okay. Matthias Cunha Brazilian striker slash winger uh, Imagine if I'll sign in now. Scored a very good goal. Um, and I tell you what, I don't know how much he'd cost. I imagine it would be a lot Mateus of money. What's his name, Matthias what? Huh? Matthias Cunha. C-U-N-H-A, I think. Um, Soccer base. Scored a, a bang, tidy goal. Let's have a look, Matthias. There's only room for one Matthias. Oh, interesting player. Uh, yep. So he scored in his last three games. Yep, but he hasn't didn't score in any of his previous fifteen. Yep, but I tell you what, he's coming into form. <laughs> he's only twenty. It's how I tell you. That's the thing. Sign him, young player. His value's only going one way. Ex Leipzig. Yeah. I'll tell you what. He's only. Um, I think they were all on the bench the first, the last fifteen, the first fifteen games. Yeah, he's, he's all right, mate. I tell you what, he's a player who impressed me. I'm going to put him on some sort of list in the, when I do lists of our players I should look at in the summer he's getting on it. Half decent on FIFA too, by the way. I bet he is. Um, Carl Latham, you mentioned the club agreeing to play a warm-up game before the restart. Is that still the plan? Would it be allowed as it increases the risk involved and also the cost and number of tests needed? I see you did reply to this, but do you want to reply for all the listeners as well? Yeah, just reply to a good question because I had absolutely no idea and I thought um, that was really interesting because... It obviously would increase the risk, wouldn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Very, very logical uh, question, really. So I asked, I asked the question, and the truth is, I don't know. Um, so they would obviously like to. Um, they'd like to play a friendly, but they will basically be guided by EFL and Premier League protocols. So Albion aren't going to play a friendly if no one else does. Um, but if all teams decide that they're going to have a friendly, then they will. Mm -hmm. They think there'll be actual guidelines for that. It won't be um, it won't be an option. It'll either be everyone plays or everyone doesn't. The Bundesliga didn't. Mm. They didn't have any friendlies, so I think that's now looking unlikely. Um, we will wait and see on that one, I guess. Yeah, we don't know who it's against, who Dowling's agreed it with, but um, I think it was another championship club that's not a million miles away, so maybe it was Forest, someone like that, but... Mm. Yeah. It does have forest links as well, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it has forest links, yeah. So. But it could have been blues, you never know. Um, 
I don't know, well, that'd be an interesting friendly. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, why don't they organise one with Wolves next year, eh? Uh, James Duffy, any news on the next under-23s manager and also any news on Tulloch signing a new deal? Um, so I imagine a lot of that's been shelved purely because of coronavirus. Yeah, I'll put um, a story out about Tulloch in the next coming days. Talks are ongoing, basically, but I'm not going to say any more because it'll just ruin my story. Um, what was the other question? Oh, under-23s manager. Do you know what? No, I haven't asked. That's annoying. Yeah, I haven't. I don't know. I don't know. Longest mm. under twenty three search for like in, for a manager in the history of football, I think. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. So I need to get back on that one. Hmm. Uh, Will Matthews, uh, have any of you guys done the weighted versus non-weighted points per game calculations, just in case? I mean, I've not looked into it, but I think Albion would probably be going up automatically in both circumstances. I've looked at it as as um. Uh, it's actually a story on the website today. I've done it. I've done it today with the tables on the website today, mm. of uh, unweighted. Um, it's actually irrelevant for the championship. Um, mm. Yeah, it's completely irrelevant. It, uh, everyone pretty much finishes in the same position. Um, well, anyone that matters basically. Charlton go down. Albion and Leeds get automatically promoted, and. Um, Fulham, Preston, Forest, and Brentford end up in the playoffs. Um, mm. So it doesn't really matter. It really, really matters in League One. Yeah. Um, it mattered ish in League Two, but not really because because they did unweighted Swindon are champions. Um, it, but it didn't affect the teams actually going up, did no, it? No, it didn't affect any promotion, but it just affected who was champions. But League One is very, very interesting. Um, I don't really know the ins and outs of it all, but um, like Peterborough, for example, uh, are in the playoffs um, on one way, but not, but not another. I think because they're, they're, they're really strong at, at home and they've got more mm. home games to come. Um, Wickham are like a real big... In, I think... I think one way they can be out the playoffs and one way in it or something or me I don't know it's very very um, it's a big deal in League One mm -hmm. and you can it's a really interesting one like I don't know whether what's right and what's wrong really like I I think I can understand why they've gone unweighted because they've it takes out any assumption whatsoever you're not you're just literally ending the season where you are basically yeah um on points per game but with oh, I don't know but with weighted there's such strong evidence you've got the numbers you, they've worked out I think it's you, on average a team gets 1.55 points at home to compared to 1.2 away mm. and you can pretty much put that across all three divisions across all teams so you can sort of the maths are there really to be able to work it out um, and if the information is there then perhaps you should use it but I think I agree it's best not to make any assumptions and to go unweighted. Hmm. Uh, see Hawthorns, any news on potential refunds for season ticket holders? Um, so, yeah, I did a story about a week ago, 10 days ago, about how ticket non-season ticket holders who had bought tickets, they've had their refunds. Um, and then 
I think, I don't know, but I think the reason why season ticket holders haven't had their refunds is what I was talking about earlier and them tying it in with the broadcast deal. I think that's why there hasn't been any movement on that as yet, but I think it is very close. Mm. But I think that's why maybe fans will get an option of getting slightly less back but then getting a better rate on the games. Um, well, on like how much they have to pay to watch the games over yeah. the internet. Bobby1987, I've seen a few clubs have announced who they're releasing, retaining. Any news on players leaving at the end of their contracts here? Um, do, do, do. So the only ones really affecting Albion are, off the top of my ad, Ali Al-Habsi, who with the greatest respect doesn't really come much into the thinking. Nathan Ferguson, who we all know that's an absolute mess and is probably going to leave. Then Brent and Barry. Um, now, Albion will not be releasing a, a release and retain list because they very, very much want um, Gareth Barry and Chris Brunt to remain with them until the end of the season. Mm. Um, especially if they're going to play the remaining games in a very, very short amount of time. Um, they're going to need all their squad and let's be honest they might not have played a lot this season but they, they, as we saw at West Ham they're still two quality performers um, who can more than do a job um, so Albin will be doing Albin want, will be wanting to keep them um, and will keep them because there's no way Chris Brunt or Gareth Barry are going to cause any problems um, in that regard I don't think so I wouldn't expect anything there that what we understand is the academy players um, have started to be told if they're being released and retained. Mm -hmm. um, I think his name's Brad House, the goalkeeper, um, signed by Arsenal. He was in the academy. He's um, was played for in the Premier League two last season for Albion. He um, has basically gone on Twitter to say he's been released and thank the club for everything they've done for them. But from what I understand, is that, that release and retainers hasn't been finalised and it isn't ready to be published. Conversations yeah. are still ongoing. So expect that, that release and retain list first and then see what... Well, I think at the end of the season, you obviously get a second one, which there's a high chance that Brunt and Barry will be on it, but I don't think they'll be on it until... The final ball's been kicked if, 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 if another ball is going to be kicked. Mm. David Baker asks, if the remaining games are played, how many points will we win? Uh, do you also think that mid-table teams will be an easy opponent given that the season will have been resurrected? I think it's, it's hard to judge, isn't it? Because no team has any kind of um, momentum now. Uh, regardless of what you say about Albion and Leeds being in such a good position, yes, they're in a great position, but they haven't played a game in however many weeks. Yeah, it's going to be kind of hard to judge on that if if they're to reply, to, to get back to playing. You know, them first couple of games going to be impossible to judge. I think. I think. Um, I think, but he makes a valid point. I think. I think the game. I, I personally. I, I mean, look. I, I think Albion would have gone up if coronavirus had never come to fruition and they just carried on playing as they were and I think they'll definitely go up if they do return uh, to action partly because of what he's saying I, I do I do think those games against teams in the middle of the park will be will be very very straightforward um, mm. I don't think 
that the, 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 the thing with the championship is obviously a lot. There's still a hell of a lot of teams who have got something to play for. Um, so <clears throat> that's that's a, a positive really for the integrity of the competition. But you're not telling me if you're mid table, if you're worried about coronavirus, and if your players are out, if you're out of contract player who's about to be released by the club, you're going to give a hundred percent in a game. You just can't do it in an empty stadium um, where there's no fans. I think <clears throat> so. I think subconsciously, even standards are going to slip slightly because there's no fans in the ground anyway. Yeah. And then you add in the fact that if you're a, t- a player playing for a team who's got absolutely nothing to play for, I think they won't mean to, but performance levels will dip. And then if you've got players who are out of contract who are worried about picking up injuries because they want to. S- secure their next move their performances are going to dip as well so you look at Albion and literally everything is going for them in that sense they haven't got many players out of contract they have got something to play for Um, Mm -hmm. they're going to get probably all the players are going to get promotion bonuses or whatever if they do go up so the games I feel would be massively stacked in Albion's favour I can't help but agree mate massively stacked in their favour Which is why now, like you have to be very, very confident that Albion will be a Premier League side next year. Um, because if the season is ended, then the FA have said there's going to be promotion and relegation. If it's points per game, Albion are up. If they have to play, I, I think they'll be too good for the other teams and I think they'll, they'll go up. I think there's a real chance they will be a Premier League. I think... I would, but the honesty is, part of me that would be amazed if they won a Premier League side next year. Mm. Last one comes from Kieran Maguire. He asked two questions. Do we consult data analysis services as well as using human scouts when looking for new signings? And now that football's transfers and wages are likely to freefall, do you think we'll ever be able to get anything back for Ollie Burke? Um, in terms of Burke, I mean, it would have surprised me if you'd have gotten much for him without this situation just because of you know it's been a it's been a, long, a lengthy period of time since we've actually seen Ollie Burke do anything that makes his 15 million pound price tag seem like even in the right range um, so I don't imagine you've been getting much for Ollie Burke anyway this situation obviously doesn't help that but I, d- I just can't imagine you get much for him regardless I think like with Ollie Burke anything's a, a win now I think we're at that stage. Um, it's not going to happen from Albion, is it? Um, whether he's good enough, I don't know. Is he good enough? Um, from what I've seen, he's not. He's not. And I don't think, I don't think his heart's in it at Albion. To be honest, I think he feels like, I think even he feels like it's just not worked out, and it's, it's just not the not the club for him. Um, I think I might, I could be wrong with this, so I've got, I really, really don't know. It's just something like inkling in me, something I believe to be true, that I think probably Albion is still paying a portion of his wages while he's on loan at Alaves. Mm. Uh, not obviously like they'll, that, you'd imagine the Spanish side are paying the majority, but I think Albion still might be making a contribution. Um, I, if they can, I mean, Alaves apparently want to keep him, is what we've, I mean, I did a story back in April. Reports in Spain saying that Alaves want to keep him. I think if Albion could get two million for him and get him off the wage bill completely, they'd be dancing for joy. I think so. 
um, which will obviously be an absolutely massive loss. But at the end of the day, A, it happens in football, and B, it wasn't Luke Dowling who signed him, was it? So mm. the changes have been made at the top. Dowling's come in. I highly doubt he'd have signed him. And uh, his record in transfer market is damn good. So although it's going to be like... When Burke does leave, everyone's going to say it's, it's, it's going to be up there, isn't it? It's one of the, sort of the worst transfer in Albion's history. But at the end of the day, everything's changed now at the club since then. So I think it's just going to have to pres- write it off and move on. Yeah, and, I think so. Oh, in terms of the scouting, yeah, they, they extensively, extensively watch players on... It's a programme called Y Scout, which all clubs um, basically pay um, to be a member of and to be able to watch players in depth. Um, I've said this before on this podcast. It's, the, it's basically the reason why they didn't sign Mislav Orsic in January was because as good as that system is, and it is very good, mm-hmm. they were reluctant. They're reluctant to sign players without having scouted them in the flesh. Um, mm-hmm. And Orsic was on a winter break um, when Albion were considering signing him, so they couldn't go out and watch him in the flesh. They could only rely on that Y scout. So. While it's a great tool, and it obviously is a great tool, and it allows you to watch a lot of players, Albion use it extensively, but they use it to then find players to go and look at in the flesh, um, which I think is very, very sensible. Um, yeah, I'd agree. But yeah, Luke Dowling and Slaven Bilic have on, they've gone on record since football's been suspended to say that that's one of the things they've been doing. They've been scouting players using that, those systems and... Um, yeah, I'm sure probably one or two of them will arrive in the summer. Oh, or, or whenever the transfer window reopens. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, right, Joe, that does us for another episode, another week, another Albion podcast in a can. Hour and 17 minutes, hour and 18 minutes. Yeah, serious, serious episode again. Um, as always, thanks for listening. We appreciate everyone tuning in. If you could give us a rating and a review on iTunes, if that is how you listen to us, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, but for now, bye-bye from me and bye-bye from Mr. Massey. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.